Well, it's my absolute privilege to introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, he's an amazing man of God. Um, and he and Narita do an incredible job of pastoring our young people. And I just wonder if we give him a great round of applause for Jaden Hatch. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> Tell you what, I feel like I've got something this morning that's either for one person, 10 people, everyone, because the enemy's had a field day with me this week, <laughs> with my heart, with my mind. Um, but what he doesn't realize is that when he comes at us, we cling tighter to God and rely on God more, which is worse for him. So um, this morning, um, fully relying on God for everything, um, and I know that this is from her, and I know that this is for someone this morning. So let's pray. God, we just thank you. God, I pray that this word that you've put on my heart to bring, Lord, um, God, whoever this may be for, Lord, I simply pray that everyone here open up our, our um, ears and our hearts, Lord, um, to what you want to say this morning, God. God, I pray that the enemy has no hold over us, Lord, um, because you are king, you are great. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. All right. Well, I thought I'd start off this morning with a conversation that is so relevant and so important, the conversation of Marvel vs. DC. So I feel like this last year or two has been very superhero heavy when it comes to the movie world. Um, and I'm wondering, I feel like Marvel kind of tips the favorite um, topic here, but is there anyone here that is an original DC fan that has been for years, maybe someone who's read the comics, does anyone want to be brave enough to say that they are stronger for DC than they are over Marvel? I've seen a few pointing. Yeah, there's a few hands, a couple hands. What about Marvel? Anyone else prefer Marvel? There's a lot of hands, a lot of hands for Marvel this morning. The other, the other controversial one, I guess you could say, would be Iron Man versus Captain America. Oh, there we go. So Civil War fans would know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation. I've talked for hours on this when it comes to all the different movies that have come out um, and how it's all gone down. But, so when you think of superheroes, you think of someone that will come in and save the day or save someone, and then they'll head out to the next thing or head off back home. Or someone that will spend the day saving people, then they'll go home, hang up the uniform for the night, um, and they'll relax for a little bit until the world calls them again, until the need comes out again. They put that uniform back on. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd be hugely grateful if a huge building was about to fall on me and then Iron Man swooped through, picked me up, and saved me. Um, I would be hugely grateful. But the thing is, the Savior that I know and love didn't just give his life to save me, but he returned. Not only did he return, but he also continues to save me. Not only does he continue to save me, but he also has a plan and purpose for my life. My Savior promises to never leave me nor forsake me. That's something you can get excited about if you want to. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Now, I don't think that I'm overly special or amazing, but I'm often left in wonder and awe at the thought that I have a God, a Savior, that is continually with me and continually cheering me on in everything that I do is. I wonder what life would have in store if we choose to live in wonder and awe. I even made it rhyme for you this morning, so it's easy to remember. I wonder what life would have in store if we choose to live in wonder and awe. How do we trade a life of comfort and contentment for a life full of worship, curiosity, fascination, admiration, and awe? Now, I don't know what it is about young kids. They will remember a pinky promise that you make with them three days ago 
but then they can't remember the fact that you asked them to brush their teeth a minute ago. I, um, I live, we, my eight-year-old nephew, Bentley, he lives with us, um, and he is a great kid, and he is full of energy. But there are often times where he'll come and ask me if I want to do things, and I'm not as young as I used to be, and my energy levels aren't as... <laughs> come on, yeah, go on. My energy levels aren't as high as they used to be. My imagination, I, still, I feel like I've got a pretty good imagination, but not an imagination of an eight-year-old. So he'll come up and ask me things like, can we go on a bike ride, or can we do this? And I remember one time he comes up to me and goes, Uncle, can we please build a hut and sleep in it? And I'm just like, I was just like, oh, I better go out tonight, and then I've got something on tomorrow morning as well. I'm just like, sleeping in a hut is not going to go well because I'm not going to get any sleep. <laughs> and so I said to him, I was just like, how about we do it tomorrow night? And he's just like, okay. And then that, the two words that you dread to hear, pinky promise? <laughs> pinky promises for eight-year-olds or for young kids, pinky promises are like the highest deal you can do, like the most official deal, you've signed it, the pinky promise, especially when they go pinky promise, then they link the finger and then you touch thumbs. Has anyone ever done that one before? Like pinky promise, hook the finger and then touch thumbs. It's like there's no breaking that. You have made that promise. And so I say, yeah, sure, pinky promise. It's the kind of, you know, you do that. Yeah, pinky promise in the conversation because you've got other things on your mind. <laughs> so I go, yeah, pinky promise. And then sure enough, later that, the next night, I'm there, I'm about to have some dinner, and then Bentley comes up and he goes, hey, uncle, do you remember? I'm like, remember what? And he goes, pinky promise. I'm, just like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what pinky promise have I made? Oh, no, what have I done? And he goes, you see, we built a hut and we're sleeping it tonight. I was like, okay. And so we did that. And I wonder that, we did. We made a hut. It was a pretty awesome hut. You see, when it comes to making huts, I take it very seriously. When I, when I decide to do it, I put a lot into it. It's, it's not just a, a blanket over a couch. Like, we're going, we're going full on. We're going full on. There's going to be different excess points. There's going to be furniture in the hut. Like, there's, there's, there's got to be a secret escape. There's, you've got to do it. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it right. But when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, they remember these promises, but then they forget things a minute later after you've told them. And I, I say this and I laugh because I was the exact same. I still am, actually. Um, and then... <laughs> But I was just saying, why is that? And then I thought to myself, maybe it's the excitement and the curiosity of what that hut is going to bring. Maybe it's the excitement and the curious what that, what that adventure, what that moment, what that experience is going to bring. What's it going to look like? What are we going to do? How is it all going to unfold? This morning, I want to take a brief look into the life of someone that lived a life full of highs and lows from a very young age. And we want to look at a few lessons that we can learn from the way he lived. That person I want to look at this morning is Joshua. Joshua and his family were a part of the Israelites that Moses saved from Egypt. After a year in the desert, Joshua was one of the 12 spies that was sent to check out Canaan, the land that God promised them. And after 40 days in Canaan, the spies came back, 10 which were terrified and doubtful because of the size of the Canaanites and the size of the task ahead. And they were doubtful and scared. They didn't think they were going to be able to defeat them. Joshua, on the other hand, along with Caleb, argued that if God wants to give them the land, then he would. Even though the Lord guided and provided for the Israelites in the desert, they still did not trust them. And this led to another 39 years in the wilderness. Because of Joshua and Caleb's trust in the Lord, them and their families survived the 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness. And this brings us to our first lesson that I want to look at this morning from Joshua, and that is remember his promises. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So this verse, this was a word from the Lord that Moses gave to Joshua and the Israelites um, as he was summoning Joshua to lead them into the promised land. Finally. <laughs> Finally. So if you look back a bit throughout Deuteronomy, 
Um, and if you head back towards the start, Deuteronomy is actually a series of speeches from Moses calling the next generation of Israel to be faithful in the covenant with their God. The first part of the book, Moses highlights how rebellious the previous generation was in contrast with God's constant grace and provision in the world and covenant promise. The book carries on with Moses um, reminding the new generation of the Ten Commandments, um, the Ten Commandments that he gave to Moses. Um, And Moses spent his last moments, um, God promised that if the Israelites obeyed the law, he would make them a unique people amongst Then they were about to enter the land of Canaan, um, where people were worshipped idol gods. So Moses spent his last moments with the Israelites, reminding them of God's promise. He encouraged them that God was still there with them, and his promise still is the same as it was 40 years ago. You look throughout Deuteronomy, there's moments in there where Moses is, is warning them what happened and reminding them that God's promise is still the same, reminding them of the mistakes that their previous generations had made, the previous families had made, and reminding them that God's promise still stands and that that land is still promised to them um, and building them up for that. So I believe that for 40 years in the wilderness, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I really believe that Joshua lived in awe and wonder, lived in awe and wonder of what God's promise would bring driven by curiosity and fascination because God had promised his people great things no matter what trial. He knew God's promise still um, still stood and he never forgot it. If Joshua can trust God during 40 years in the wilderness, I wonder what we can push through. If, God, if Joshua can trust God in 40 years when he knew from the start that they could do it, but the doubt of all the other people led to 39 years in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I'll be pretty annoyed <laughs> in that moment. But Joshua, for 40 years, had the spirit of awe and the, the sense of awe and wonder of what this promised land would bring if only they trusted and stepped into that. If he with a sense of awe and wonder, what would life have in store if we live, if we choose to live in wonder and awe? So my daughter is two and a half years old. Some of you will know Kira. She's often running around on a mission. Um, and we're starting to teach her new things, and, and proud dad moment, she can now count to 10 in English and Māori, um, and so we've been working through that. She'll often, she'll, often get hooked on, she'll often get hooked on seven, she'll get stuck there, so she'll go one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, four, five, six, eight, four, five, and get stuck in this loophole, and I'm like, oh no, I've got to rescue her, she's going to be there forever. Um, but she's getting there, but she can do it. If you count along with her and give a little reminder, she can count right up to 10. And so with counting comes the obvious game, hide and seek. I can now count, which means I can now give people time to hide, and so we play hide and seek, and she absolutely loves it. The thing about Kira is she will only count to five, so she doesn't give you a lot of time to hide. <laughs> so you're going to be real on to it when you're playing hide and seek with Kira. If you know Kira well, if any of the Elam daycare teachers are here, then you're probably going to have a laugh at this. If you know Kira well, you know that she um, is a strong-willed little girl, and she's very particular, and she knows how she likes things, um, and when it comes to her turn to count for hide and seek, before she goes and counts, she'll come down the couch. I'm just like, oh, oh, and I'll be like, no, I'm going to hide somewhere else. She's no, hide on the couch. And she won't go count until I go and sit on the couch and pretend I'm hiding. And so I will do that. So I was like, okay, I'll go hide on the couch. I hope you don't find me. Um, so <laughs> I go and sit on this couch and I'll cover my eyes and then she'll turn around and she'll, she'll head off to her room. She has a good, you know, when she's on a mission because her arm, she kind of has like a, <laughs> and so she'll run to her room and I can hear her going, one, Two, and so in this moment, I have this moment to decide, 
am I going to have fun and just have a bit of a laugh with Kira and hide where she wants me to hide, or am I going to be competitive and hide where I want to hide <laughs> and have a bit of fun myself with this? And so as soon as she turns her back, she'll often like that, she'll stop and look to see if I'm still on the couch or run. And as soon as she's out that doorway, I'm up, off the couch, thinking, where can I hide? Where can I go so that I can jump out and scare her? Because, I mean, you know, as parents, you want to, you know. <laughs> it's mean, but it's funny, eh? Like, just a little bit of a boo in the face for a moment. Um, Life lesson, don't take life too seriously. That's what we're trying to teach them in that moment. It's not for our own personal joy. Um, <laughs> and so she'll walk out the door. I'll get up. I'll go hide. Either I'll run to the other room and hide behind the door, or I'll jump in behind the couch or something. And then she'll go, one, two, three, four, five, through the door. And then I'm hiding. And all you hear is she'll walk up and go, huh, it's daddy. <laughs> and so in that moment, I'm waiting, and she'll look around. But the thing is, I've noticed that if I don't hide where she wants me to hide, she gets a bit annoyed. <laughs> she gets a bit angry at me. She's like, Dad, I told you to hide here, not there. And so when you look at her and you hear this, you think, and you know, some people are going to be, hmm, a little bit bossy. I like to call it untrained leadership. Um, but <laughs> we'll call it untrained leadership. But I've heard stories that at daycare, when it's nap time, she'll be lying down on her bed and there'll be other kids going down for a nap. But if they're talking, she'll sit up and she'll tell them to go to sleep. So she come on, go to sleep, nap time. Um, or if we're at home and we just finished dinner and we yell like, Bentley, time to hop in the shower. She'll go on a mission. She'll find Bentley and she'll go, Bentley, shower. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've learned lots about Kira when it comes to playing games um, and, and hanging out with her. I've learned that she has a strong will. She wants to help people, but she wants to lead. Comes across a little bit bossy, but that's all right. We'll, we'll work on that. But it got me thinking. I wonder if we find ourselves in the wilderness or in a season of trial, how often do we ask, where is God, when we should really be asking, who is God? So let's go back to Moses and Joshua and expand on this thought a little bit. Exodus 33, 7 to 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting, meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While, Moses, while the Lord spoke to Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their own tents. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp, but at his young, oh, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So my next thought today is seek first. When in the wilderness, Joshua didn't go to the tent to find where God was, but he went to the tent to talk to God and to know his God even more. See, we don't need to seek where God is, but who he is. Living a life of in awe and wonder about whom our Savior is, knowing that there is so much more to learn. I also think that it's very significant that the tent was set up some distance away from the camp. Two reasons. One, a place that was set aside away from the noise, purely for meeting with the Lord. And secondly, I think the walk to the tent was symbolic because we truly find out whom God is when we walk in faith and allow him to work in our life, which brings me to my last point this morning. Stop looking, start doing. The Israelites wandered for 40 years it's my whole life plus another 13 years. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was just like, 40 years is a long time to be wandering in a desert. I hate the heat. 
Like, I, I, I prefer the heat over the cold, but I just hate feeling hot. Imagine feeling hot. <laughs> and I've still got another 13 years. <laughs> but I think about it, and I think so many lives and opportunities were put on hold because even though God had led them and provided for them, they still let fear hold them back. Instead of living a life in awe and wonder, they lived a life in fear and doubt. God parted an entire ocean for these guys. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. It was undeniable that God was with them. It was undeniable that God was with them. Yet, that wasn't enough for them. You know, God's most frequent promise in the Bible is, I am with you. Genesis 24, 26, 24. These are all in, on your message notes if you want to read the verse in full. But Genesis 26, 24. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Genesis 28, 15. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. Joshua 3, 7. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Isaiah 43, 5. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Guess what? There's more. I don't know if you guys are getting this, but there is more. Jeremiah 1, 8. Do not be 19. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. Do you know it says it four more times in the book of Jeremiah that I am with you, and I will rescue you, or I am with you, and I will save you. That's six times in one book in the Bible. Haggai 2, 4 declares the Lord Almighty. And Jesus' last words with his disciples after giving them the great commission was, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. As this year comes to an end and we start looking forward to 2020, could you confidently say that you find yourself getting excited and living in expectation for what God has promised? Or has this last year been a year of wandering through the wilderness? I want to close this morning by giving you the opportunity to step out of the wilderness today. Giving you the opportunity to boldly put your trust in God, choosing to remember what He has promised, to continue to seek who He is, and to intentionally start doing what He has called you to do, even if it is scary. Do not fear, for He is with you. So I wonder if we could just take a moment now, if everyone could just bow their heads. Because I want to give everyone the opportunity today to boldly say that I want to step out of the wilderness. If that's you this morning, if you want to say, God, I fully trust you and believe that you're this morning to put your hand up where you are right now. If that's you this morning, you want to say, God, I boldly trust you and the plan that you have. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So many hands. This is so cool. See, God sees us. God hears you. You know, we learn things in the wilderness. It's not a bad thing, but it comes to a point. You can put your hands down now. It comes to a point. Trust you. I know that you've been with me. I'm going to step into what you have promised, even if it is unseen. So I want to pray now for all those people and then I want to do one more thing after that. So God, right now, every single person that put their hand up, Lord, we acknowledge that and honor that as a step of faith. God, right now, everyone that put their hand up and those that maybe didn't, but in their heart are feeling that that is them. Lord, we say no more wandering in the wilderness. Lord, we say we trust you this morning and even though saying we trust you, Lord, will come with its trials, we know that we can boldly stand firm because you have promised, Lord, your promises still stand. Lord, we seek who you are. We want to continually know more. Lord, from today, we say, no more wandering. We're going to start doing. So God, I truly pray that all these people that have put their hand up acknowledge that it's time to step boldly into what you have called them. God, I pray you put people in their path that are going to support them, Lord. 
Lord, I pray for an overwhelming courage and boldness in their faith for you. Lord, I pray you journey with them. I pray for great things. I don't want to finish this morning without giving someone the chance to invite God into their life. If you've never invited God into your life before, or maybe you have, but you turned away from Him and you're thinking it's time to come back home, I can tell you that He has a plan for your life and that He is with you right now. He has promised, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Maybe you've gone through life and you've never even heard of God and you don't know who God is, and can I still say that He has been with you? He designed you. He made you on purpose for a purpose. He has been watching over you, and He loves you. It's time to step out of the wilderness and step into what He's called you to do. So I'm going to say a prayer, and I'd love everyone to repeat after me. But if that's you, pray this from your heart. Pray this boldly. Dear God, I love you and I trust you. I'm sorry if I haven't lived. I'm sorry for doing things my own way. This morning, Lord, I welcome you in and I ask you, God, take me out of this wilderness and boldly into what you have called. God, I pray you journey with me. I acknowledge who you are. And I thank you for everything you've done. While everyone's still got their heads bowed and eyes closed. If that was you this morning, I'd love to give the opportunity to put your hand up just so that we can see who you are because we've got a team that would love to get in touch with you, journey with you, pray with you, support you in any way that we can. So I'm going to count to three, and then when I get to three, if that's you, I'd love you to put your hand up, and our team are just going to look out for you, and we'd love to get in touch with you. So if that was you, just put your hand up in one, two, three. This morning, if you either welcome God in for the first time, or coming back, awesome. Cool. Lord, we just thank you, God, that even though there are moments where we journey through the wilderness and we don't know what's going on, Lord, we know that your promise still stands and that we can stand firm on who you are, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you have a plan and a purpose, Lord, for us individually, for us as a church, Lord, in this nation. We know that you've got great things to do in this city and this nation, Lord. And from this morning, Lord, we say we trust you and we step in boldly to whatever you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So good. So good. I just love that thought that, you know, 2020 is a new season for everybody here. But let's get expectant about what God's going to do in that.